So Emblem Markets, we announced, and I'll just read the tweet off. So the Emblem Vault has been building towards this moment for multiple years, and we're excited to unveil the next chapter of our journey. Emblem Markets, it's a platform that's gonna offer unique multi-chain experience alongside Emblem native products. Emblem Markets will be more than just a marketplace and will act as a sandbox for Emblem Vault and Emblem Builders utilize. And then it has the website where there is a sign up you could see here with Pepe Fest, where we ask for your email, Twitter handle, Ethereum address and XCP. The Ethereum address is the one that's only required. You know, we, we understand some people don't want to link their Twitter handle to their ETH address or their email to the XCP address. The more information you provide, the higher likely of whatever this leads to, we'll have a better opportunity to get in contact with you. Hey, GM, GM, Adam, what is good? We completed the Pepe migrations. Everybody is all in our DMs. The support tickets are heavy and flowing. <laughs> Where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? <laughs> How funny is that? It's always, always that situation. What's good, man? What'd you do over the weekend? I did this, bro. I don't know. I, I, it just seems like I'm... It's incredible for how dead this market is that all I'm doing is this. Like it's either X or Discord or whatever, but I feel like I'm more 24/7 now than I was in the 21 bull run. It's it's literally crazy. What? How, how about you, the Bitcoin Ordinals rush? That was a wild one. That, <laughs> well, was, that, was, that was literally that like was something, something else. Yeah. That was something else. <laughs> What's good, Dog Father Man? Uh, congratulations on was it the beta launch or is it the public public release of uh, Friends? Hey, GM, GM. Yeah, so that that's really great news. It's it's not really public yet, but it's kind of because you just need some friend and know their referral code, and then you can enter the network. So that's really exciting. It, you know, just in time before Bitcoin Amsterdam and inscribing Amsterdam. That's pretty cool. Stoked, stoked to have that now. Oh, yeah. Chris, GM, bro, what's good? Yo, GM, GM, the little fellas, all the Pepes are on the move way faster <laughs> than anticipated. Those guys are taking off. Devs are doing something. The weekend was great. I think I've got the marketplace today. Things are moving. So excited about the show. Hey, yeah, yeah. It's been a long, long weekend. Everyone's excited. Everyone was in Paris last week. Now everybody is in Amsterdam, inscribing Amsterdam. Yep. I know Bunzi is usually here on Sundays or on Tuesdays is down there having a lot of fun without us. We have a lot of announcements. I'll probably just get to the emblem stuff at the beginning because that seems to be what everyone's interested in. Man, where do we begin, Adam? There's, there's so much, there's so much going on. Where's the beginning, Jake? When, how, how long have we been doing this now? It's got to be like, we're yeah. pushing like three months now, right? But this is like, I mean, look, we've, we've successfully migrated other collections, but obviously Rare Pepe is the, the final boss. It's, it's ha what, almost half of the, all the vaults, I think, are Rare Pepe. So this is like, this was the heavy lift, right? And so, so many, so much tooling had to be built to automate it because when you're automating whatever, 20,000 vaults, it's impossible to do it, you know, manually or, or one-offs. And so all this infrastructure had to be built by our dev team to actually make it happen. And, and here we are, man. Yeah. So, so that everyone kind of gets a full, a full picture. And so that those who are re-listening can really understand it. We began the trading freeze on OpenSea July 13th, I believe, 2023. So we're about four or five days away from, you know, three months going into this. It took us two to three months even before that to get in contact with all of the marketplaces to assist with a trading freeze or delisting the collection. Now, some people might ask why, why delist, why freeze this when you weren't even sure when, you know, the migrations would be taking place. We had to go on and, and build these tools. We had to prevent or save users from trading fraudulent vaults or empty vaults. Unfortunately, this doesn't really prevent everybody from. We've come across at least a few dozen situations of people trading legacy vaults when we told you not to 4,000 times, but, you know, that's kind of the case. So during this time, we... Let's see, we had to, we moved our servers from Infra to Alchemy. 
We had to reorganize how all the, the images and metadata is stored. We had to build a bulk transfer tool. We had to build a jump or migration tool. We had to update the emblem.finance UI. So there is just like, there's a lot of stuff that had to go into this. And we appreciate everyone's patience along the way. So as you saw, we've migrated now five full collections. Well, Pepe should be complete here pretty shortly. Age of Rust was the first one that we tested out. That was because it was the smallest full collection. I think there was only like 11 assets of that nature. And then we moved to the Pepe's. We did fake commons, dink rares, fake rares, rare Pepe's. Now, some people might ask, why do this? We've stated, you know, very clearly for a long time, Pepe community is our strongest community. It's our largest community and they're our priority probably forever or into the foreseeable future. So we tackled the hardest ones first, Pepe obviously being the largest. And as you can see here, which I'm going to pull up on the screen, we're currently sitting at 17,000. 900 vaults. There's been a lot of actual volume over the last few days as well. I think 10 Ethan volume over the last maybe three or four days. Uh, you can see here through the activity, right? A bunch of kind of low, lower cards, like everything like 0.3 and under have been selling. A lot of these like $20 cards. I like to call them kind of like starter, maybe like the starter packs of getting into the migrations and stuff of that nature. Fake rares was really good. And as we've begun and migrated all of these, you know, there's things that have to be fixed. There's bugs that pop up on the back end, right? So it's just kind of like really tug and pull relationship. We move forward and sprint, and then we have to step back two steps to, you know, fix everything. So right now there's a handful of support tickets that are open that we have to fix. And then we'll be back to moving on to the next migration phase. So what's being migrated next? To be honest, there's no real specific order. We have to create a, well, there's a, a rough order. It, it comes down to first technicals. What is, what, is the te what is the most optimized collection to migrate first from a technical level, right? Then you have kind of these social layers where it's like, who's our biggest community? What's the priority? And then there's obviously the business aspects to it as well. If people reach out and want us to migrate this, is there some sort of business opportunity where both parties can benefit, right? So a lot of stuff goes into these decisions. It's really not straightforward. This kind of migration has never happened before. There is no blueprint for this. But I promise you, blueprint, bro. We, we built it. <laughs> I promise you they'll all be migrated, guys. Just because of Pepe... But just because Pepe's were migrated does not mean you're not getting migrated. There is a... there. We, we've got to go... You know, we've got to go through the full collections before we could move on to something next. Again, five collections put on the screen. Five, only five, five. That's it. Five, five collections have been migrated. That's it so far. So we have about 30-ish still to do, but the process will speed up much faster. So I put out a tweet today and this, it seems like there's a little bit of confusion because this affects everybody. Although, here, let me just go through this. So I put this tweet out this morning, approximately 17,500 rare Pepe's were migrated. We found another 1,100 that were missed. A handful of these people are in the tickets. A handful of people have reached out to us in the Discord that is being done today. So once we move on and think about this, only five collections have been migrated. So this, pertain this next part pertains to you after your collection's been migrated. So... Let's say you own some Spells of Genesis cards and all we announced that the SOG migration has been completed and you noticed that your SOG Legacy Vault has not been migrated. And it could be because of two reasons. There's probably some edge cases, but these are probably the two main reasons. Your vault has more than one asset inside of it, like in this example of the picture I pulled up here, where you can see there's five different assets in this vault. Or your vaults, your legacy vaults are in a third-party contract. Maybe you have them in a multi-sig or you have them deposited in a, a NFT lending protocol or something of that nature. That will not be migrated. That is a security risk. So that will be situated there. And as you see here on the screen, this Pepe-style vault, there's five different NFTs in here. Three of them, it looks like, are ordinals. Two of them are counterparty assets. So this specific vault, if we chose to do nothing, would be migrated to the Emblem Open collection, which is the equivalent of Emblem Legacy, but the updated version. Now, why 
Is it going to the emblem open? Because there's two different protocols in here. There is a counterparty protocol assets and there is ordinal protocol assets. So emblem is not comfortable and we are not going to make a decision on your behalf of where five different assets should be moved to one singular one, right? So like, for example, this Pepe style one, somebody said, hey, why did my Pepe style not get migrated? And we said, because there's five different assets in here and we're not going to choose Pepe style over these other ones to migrate, although it may be valuable, more valuable on the secondary market. Collectors have weird preferences and maybe this inscribed Pepe or this ordinal Pepe or ordinal rare is more valuable to you than what the monetary value implies. So there's a lot of nuance to that. And Emblem Vault is not going to make that decision on your behalf. So we will move it to the most generalized collection. So if there's two if there's two rare Pepe's in this vault, then it'll get moved to the counterparty collection because it's just one protocol with multiple assets. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> let me add let me add one thing in there just to make sure uh, we're we're clear. We while we you know you you and I Jake know that like the general migration of Pepe's is completed. We still have about thirteen hundred edge case ones which still need to be migrated. So if you're Pepe, if you're not seeing it in your wallet yet, just give us about 24 more hours to before you start hitting us up in DM and asking where the Pepe is. There are these edge cases. There's a little over a thousand that still need to be migrated. And we're going to do those over the, over the coming day. And so give us a little more time. If you, it, you know, before we get overloaded with support <laughs> tickets, where's my Pepe, where's my Pepe? Bro, it's still there are still about a thousand out there that still need to be migrated. These are just kind of the edge cases, the ones that slip through our general bulk migration. So relax, guys. Relax. Yeah. Very well put. Oh my God. Adam saved the day for somebody in the the, the replies yesterday. As uh, that was one of those one of those can the devs do something type replies. <laughs> oh my god, it was like ten in a row. So holy Jesus. But yeah, I do understand, right? Especially if you're this gentleman who claimed that he had a, that he owned a thousand vaults, right? We will definitely, you know, give you more attention. But just the the complete, you know, barrage of of you know, ten messages in a row becomes very hard to understand these when we have, you know, a dozen of these or so situations. So again, as I'd mentioned, Adam, thank you for that clarification. We will be doing a second wave of migrations at the end of all migrations, right? So at the very end, you know, the situation that we just explained with the multi-asset vaults and stuff, we also have other blockchains that we support, right? We have Namecoin, we have Mona Party, we have Ordinals. So this kind of situation applies to all of them. So at the very end, when we're done, we'll make an announcement and say, hey, on this day, this time period, if you fall into these two camps, we will migrate them. And that will be the last time. Everything after that, the user is going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to manually unvault it. You're going to have to manually vault them. But we will have a bulk minting tool at some point in the future. So I wanted to make sure that that is very, very clear as possible of what is going on there. But everything will be migrated at some point outside of those two kind of situations. So a lot, of, a lot going on there. And then also on top of that, we announced at Pepe Fest Emblem Markets. Oh, man. So we're probably going to have to dive into this for a second. So Emblem Markets, we announced, and I'll just read the tweet off. It said, Emblem Vault has been building towards this moment for multiple years, and we're excited to unveil the next chapter of our journey. Emblem Markets. It's a platform that's going to offer unique multi-chain experience alongside Emblem native products. Emblem Markets will be more than just a marketplace and will act as a sandbox for Emblem Vault and Emblem Builders utilize. And then it has the website where there is a sign-up you could see here with PepeFest where we ask for your email, Twitter handle, Ethereum address, and XCP. The Ethereum address is the one that's only required. You know, we, we understand some people don't want to link their Twitter handle to their ETH address or their email to the XEP address. But the more information you provide, the higher likely of whatever this leads to, we'll have a better opportunity to get in contact with you. And then there's a few more details, a few more bullet points here that goes into the marketplace. Of course, it's a, it's a little bit generalized and that is done on purpose. So when Adam and I joined the team, we're almost come up on one year, man. November first. Happy <laughs> birthday, baby! <laughs> crazy. How crazy has that been? If you look in that initial post on Twitter, 
we actually mention a historical NFT marketplace. And, you know, that's, and even before Adam and I joined, this idea of a marketplace has been in discussion for a while. The infrastructure of Emblem has not been to where it needed to be to launch a marketplace. I know a lot of people have said, hey, when marketplace, when marketplace. I think Adam and I have stated pretty clearly that the curated collections need to be firm. There needs to be a strong foundation before the marketplace can actually happen. I've stated that probably at least 400 times in the Discord. <laughs> and so now we feel very comfortable that curated collections are where they need to be. We've now moved from legacy to migration or to individual collections, or we're, we're almost there. And we, we began theorizing about emblem markets, about taking it serious a few months ago once there was a little bit more clarity with migrations and there's a handful of reasons why of course it's called emblem markets but it's going to be much more than that i would consider the marketplace section of it a place where all your curated collections can be nicely organized there will be some additional you know social features to it some more ui features like for example getting into heated arguments with people over discord about this like supply range filter on Pepe's, right? So for example, diagnosis situation. So we've gone back and forth on this at least 30 times. Do you want to, uh, do you want to show them it live on screen? So you get that. Yeah. yeah. So, so on Pepe, right. There's three things that are going into displaying rare Pepe on the curated collection. There's emblem vault, there's open C, I guess there's C port too. And then you have X chain, right? So we're trying to puzzle all these together to make it a very nice and clean experience. And so when you go to a card, right, you see five traits. You see the artist, the card, series number, supply number, and year. So focus on the supply here, right? So this one, for example, is 37 trillion or whatever it is. When you go to the side, right, you could see artist, card, supply, and series number. So when you go to card, or no, is it when you go to supply, there's 347 different options, right? And we understand this is a, a pretty, you know, a pretty bad experience if you want to filter for every card that's under 100. The issue here is that if we take away the supply and we put in the range, then this, then this trait right here where it says total supply under the card will not show up. So there right. will only so when be... When you click on a card... Mm -hmm. To see the total supply of that card is very important, right? I want to know that the Nakamoto card has 298 cards, right? I, I have to be able to know that. And using sort of a slider system does not make that possible. So when if you were to click through to a Nakamoto card, rather than saying total supply 298, it won't say anything. Right. So it's, it's really, that was a pretty important choice mm -hmm. that we made there. And that is simply because OpenSea doesn't allow that functionality for us. Yeah. No, you're good. No, I was, I was listening to you. Yeah. And so with Emblem Markets, we will have this ability to completely control the entire UX and UI of that asset page. We're limited to the traits that OpenSea provides us, but also we can't customize and place you know the numbers wherever we want with emblem.markets we have a little bit more control over you know the the user experience on these type of things so we'll be able to add both or we put the supply number somewhere on the page where we're not allowed where we don't have that ability to do on OpenSea. Yep. that's one thing that is you know just a bit, very basic necessity for emblem vault that we've run into um, issues with over time because we are dabble, you know, we are supporting 12 different blockchains. Currently, we're also deployed on three blockchains on Ethereum, BNB, and Polygon. And then we're also going to be deploying on more in the future, right? So you could see this like very um, tough situation, at least from OpenSea, that's a very generalized store, right? They're not catering specifically to historical NFTs or to counterparty. They're trying to cater to everybody. It's like a Walmart, right? And so this is generally what happens in in kind of just the tech space or in just entrepreneurship in general or startups, when there's somebody who becomes very generalized, it becomes kind of like the de facto place to go to. When a community or a product becomes, I guess, outgrows where they exist inside of this Walmart, then they go and create, you know, kind of their own store. For example, 
Walmart is kind of like the one kind of de facto leader when it comes to like general kind of grocery shopping, but those health experts eventually outgrew Walmart. And so they created like Sprouts or Farmer Joe's or, or some of these other, or Trader Joe's, excuse me, these like health kind of grocery stores. And that's kind of the same situation that's happening here is we're a multi-chain product. We're beginning to outgrow the things that OpenSea can offer. Although I fucking love OpenSea. You guys have been awesome to us so far outside of some other things that, that we'll get into. But this is kind of that situation that's happening is we, we now need very specific requests that OpenSea or these general marketplaces can't provide. So this is th- so take that in mind that this is not just for a marketplace. Right. We've also run into issues over time with censorship, you know, delistings, you know, that'll probably affect us in the future. We're an American company. So if there is a DMC A request, we will have to take it down. Of course, so people will know, and this is obviously speculation, that OpenSea is also delisting things based off of preference more than a necessity. That's what people claim. There's no proof, but you know, we have we will have more control over that uh, curation experience with a marketplace and itself. Yep. So we've begun building this. That's just, but that just goes back to that one situation with those assets. So we'll have a marketplace feature component to it. It'll have all of the curated collections. It, we're going to begin with only the curated collections. We won't be in with everything else. We have a strategy to tie in everything, but it's going to be a process that we're going to grow towards all of the bells and whistles and everything that you guys want. You guys want COBOL completely integrated. You want this, right? You want all these collections. We're going to grow to it. It's not all going to be launched immediately. We're literally in the middle, in the depths of a bear market. Attention is low. Liquidity is low. We're taking this time to build, but we want to make sure that we build it right so that when the bull market does come, we have a very strong foundation of a protocol where then we have opportunity to kind of announce on other things. So moving past, I guess, the, the marketplace itself, which will be a multi-chain marketplace. And so we'll leave some, some mystery surrounding that. The tokenomics behind it, right? We have, we have vaults and we have, we're going to have 35 different collections that exist across 12 different blockchains on three different blockchains. We're going to have to integrate that kind of tokenomics. There's Koval, which we've had around for quite some time. It's gone through quite a journey since beginning of 2014. It was River Awards, which was its own blockchain. Then it moved to Koval C on Counterparty. Then it moved to Ethereum. 2019, tokenomics have changed. We are taking everything into consideration when it comes to Koval. We're, right now, we have, we've probably gone down every tokenomic model possible in discussion of what we want to do, right? How do we want to integrate an NFT? Do we want to use an NFT system? Do we want to use Koval system? Do we tie it all in together? Everything is on the table. Of course, with Koval, right? Koval's kind of caught in a, a unique situation. It's on Coinbase. It's in the middle of a lawsuit with it's caught in the middle of a lawsuit with the SEC and Coinbase. So we've been, you know, advised to be very um, cautious until there's a little bit more information surrounding that case, which Probably will be some point in the beginning of that year. Koval right now, the situation with Koval is that it's a discount system, which is where it will sit. It'll probably change at some point in the future. I think it's actually likely to change at some point in the future as we nail down the perfect vaulting system. You know, it's an interesting conversation because we've come to learn Emblem is a quite a, a large tool that caters to every ecosystem, to gaming, to metaverse, to... DeFi to NFT Fi to NFTs. So blending all that together is definitely some sort of, it, it, it's definitely a creative challenge and a tokenomic challenge, which we are attempting to take on. Unfortunately, Koval guys, I'm not going to give you details here today on what's, what's Koval because it's not all completely nailed down, but we do have many different systems that we could lean into. There's a lot of moving parts. And if you understand how tokenomics work, you don't want to launch into pretty much a dead ecosystem, which is kind of what is the, the current state of NFTs. But I highly recommend everyone to sign up for the Pepe Fest. Um, sign up that's uh, at emblem.markets that will lead to something. And there's going to be two other components to this. I'll give you one alpha right now. There's going to be a version of an app store on the marketplace, which will be for emblem products to showcase. 
and then also for other users who build with Emblem. So we'll say the running name right now is built by Emblem and built with Emblem. In this app store, right, it'll link you to Emblem Finance, it'll link you to our time-locked vaults and all these new products. It's like a sandbox for us to showcase all of the products that we've been working on um, over the time. That's also an issue that we've run into is handful of projects or protocols reach out to us. They say, hey, can you build this? We'll integrate it. And then we build it and they don't integrate it. So if we just integrate it into our own platform, it gives a better, it's a better user experience for you guys. That's all in one place. And then it's a better experience for us because we get to have the sandbox to kind of play in. Obviously, on the other side, over the last year, we've had a handful of teams build on top of us. Emblem, or, or Ordinal Mar Ordinals Market. Oh, God, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> Ordinals Market built on top of us. Pepe.wtf. We're integrated into Arcade and all these other ones. So we want to be able to showcase all of the builders who are building with us as well. And so there's going to have that app store. That'll be where our APIs are, are shown where basically the whole tool set for people who want to build with Emblem on top of that. The fee models and everything that goes into that, we will discuss at some point in time in the near future. Our expectation to deploy the early stages of this is, God, I hope so, at the, but before the quarter four ends, it'll be likely a beta stage, which means that you will likely need to be a Koval holder of X amount or a vault holder of X amount, or you signed up on for the Pepe Fest, right? So that's one of those utilities that are there. Also, if anyone has any questions, I'll call on you dog father here in a second. Please feel free to come up. Or if you're listening to this later and you have questions, you can hop in the discord and explain it. You know, there's 35 different communities that we're going to be catering to immediately. Everyone has different needs. So best way to, if you have a specific need for a specific collection, please just open a support Discord instead of shouting at us on Twitter. It just makes it a, a very, very easy experience. But, you know, we just had an update call with the Emblem Markets or for Emblem Markets yesterday. And I have to say, it looks really, really good. I'm very, very excited. Adam, what, what were your takeaways um, from that call yesterday? Well, I think it's going to give us and, and give, you know, we've talked about this for a year giving these, you know, small communities of historic NFTs places to live, right? And I think that's just going to be amazing. And But that's just really the first step for Emblem as a company. I mean, of course, we lean into historic NFTs because that's where we find our first product market fit. But the reality is that Emblem can be used for so many different things across chains that we literally don't know what the next big thing is. But I think, you know, it's exciting that, when that next big thing happens that we can integrate it fast and quick on our own website and provide those tools for, for builders to build using our technology, man, I'm just, couldn't be more pumped about that. Cause it just, you just think about it, whatever. I don't even know. Nobody in the NFT space, nobody in the crypto space knows what the next big thing is going to be. Is it going to be some project on Solana that gamers go crazy for? Well, how awesome would that be to be able to bring those those items over onto Ethereum and allow to access liquidity, right? Or bring it over to Bitcoin or bring Bitcoin stuff to Ethereum or whatever, you know, but build, being able to do that quickly, fast on our own native website is just, it's going to be amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Oh, a few, few more things. So as you know, royalties are going to be officially at zero February 29th. I think it's leap year. It's leap year this year. I think it's leap year this year or next year. So February 29th, 2024, royalties are officially at zero. Somebody has asked, will there be royalties on our marketplace? You know, it's something we're considering. The marketplace, we're going to roll out with initially just a marketplace fee. The marketplace fee will be competitive against all of the other marketplaces. That's definitely a priority. We're looking into different types of gamifications to it all. There, there's a vaulting fee. There are going to be changes to the business model of Emblem prior to the launch. There will be an announcement for that. Um, right now, there are enforced royalties on Rare Pepe's and the majority of the collections. You know that is probably going to stay firm until that expiration date. But we, uh, but it, it is also giving us this six-month period to build our business model and to build our system in preparation for a zero royalty fee world. You know, we all love royalties. I think royalties are great. 
but just being very practical here it from our side it i don't see royalties coming back unfortunately maybe to specific marketplaces but in a general aspect i don't i am also under the opinion that once royalties go to zero marketplace fees are probably the next to go to zero right after that so we're trying to prepare in that world where crypto is always changing so when we do make these you know these business decisions i know there is frustrations but we will never you know let our user base our our you know our community invest in things without having the proper type of information prior or at least the proper warnings or or disclaimers of what's going on i know koval people are just going to say yeah you know i bought koval at 10 cents right now it's down horrifically because you guys tell me every day yeah koval was in a different situation but also cryptocurrencies in general right now are just down horrifically and also just on a regulatory push i'm sorry that we're a u.s based company but we have to play by the u.s laws Right now, there is a war on cryptocurrencies in America. That's just kind of the situation. So we've been very particular about it. That's why we haven't added anything new. And there probably won't be anything new until there's more clarity from the Coinbase case. That's just that's just kind of the situation. It's caught, it's caught in the middle of the case. And the reason why, I'll give you an explanation why. Imagine we go on and integrate emblem or integrate Koval into all of our systems. Turns out Coinbase loses all of those coins outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum, our securities. <laughs> now, not only do we have to, you know, pay on all of these unregistered securities, which we do not believe it's, it's security. There was no pre-sale of Koval, right? They've been airdropped multiple times. It's been a very community thing, but then we'd have to, Deintegrate, you know, or remove Koval from the entire system. It would be a complete death blow. Good emblem would crumble. There would be no more company if that if that situation turned out. And we do not feel comfortable taking that risk. Although there could be some great benefits on the other side. And if we do decide to take that risk, we will give you guys a heads up. But until then, again, coming from my mouth, there's going to be no changes to Koval. And if there is, or at least now. And once there is, we will notify you. Again, of course, I know that this affects everybody who holds it. There's 8,000 Koval holders, but that's just kind of the situation of it. But couldn't be more than excited to launch Emblem Markets. It's really, really going to be the next vision, the next future, the next journey for Emblem. A lot of opportunities. I'm really excited to see what happens. And we're going to spend the rest of this year kind of wrapping up and making sure everything's deployed that we had done. Somebody just put in the Discord asking about Polygon migrations. Polygon migrations will happen after, after ETH migrations are complete. There's a handful of things that we have to do. I guess three of our main products coming out is we have the migrations, and then we have the Polygon and BNB migrations, obviously on a much smaller scale. Those migrations will be very similar to ETH migrations. There's not going to be, they're going to be, they're going to exist on the chain that they exist in. And so on Polygon, there will be a Spells of Genesis on Polygon. There will be a Rare Pepe on Polygon. And I think there's about 5,000 assets over there. So we'll have to be, it'll it'll be the same style, just at a lesser scale. And BNB is even less. I think there's like 100 assets. We have the emblem.finance UI that we will be launching before the marketplace goes live. So that has to happen. And then we have our bulk minting tool is a, a priority as well. That is a very, very requested um, item. Obviously, now we know that it works because we've done it with the migration. I think the most we we migrate we moved at one time with the bulk minting tool. I think was like two hundred. Maybe as a product, we might even be able to do it more. But I know for like if you're a rare Pepe holder and you've been holding this one card, if you own nine hundred and ninety of supply of this one card, right, you're not going to sit there and mint these one by one. You're going to want to put it all into one transaction and copy all those addresses and then paste it into the multi-send feature on free wallet. And that is something that we plan on kind of building. So as you see, there's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. We have a few more surprises coming, but appreciate everyone for being really patient with us. You know, it's been been long, you know, Shannon, Shannon's in here. Shannon's a, a giga chat dev. I don't know. I don't think there's anybody who can compete with this guy's dev skills in the space. It's, Absolutely insane. Same with Eric, who's on stage. And Chris is going to be our newest member of Emblem. You know, we're growing, we're scaling, we're having a jolly good on time. Dogfather, what are your thoughts on all of this? Appreciate you for being one of our regular co-hosts of the space as well throughout the year. 
Man, huge props. I mean, that that's like really amazing. We're looking forward to that for, for quite a while. I'm just checking the Rep Happy website, you know, the curated collection. So this is so clean, you know, compared to where we have been before, where you really had to dig through everything and then you had everything cluttered because it's like, you know, one one card in, in different walls and stuff like that. Now everything is like, like we know it from, you know, for example, other ERC 1155s. So it's 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 so much it's so much better, and I'm looking forward to it. All the liquidity that's coming in once it's it's getting a bit more, you know, you know, the momentum is back. But still, I mean, Rep Happy will always be in the top 100 collections on on OpenSea. So that that's clear. And once we have a Naka sale and or some other high value cards, it will also pop up. Higher. So really looking forward to that. And the next big thing that's flying, we all know it's Doge Party, right? So it's it's clear. I mean, no no <laughs> argument about that. <laughs> so no, I'm, I mean, Emblem is like the Swiss Army knife. I think this will be the tool where you kind guy where you guys can hack something together based on the platform within a day or basically overnight if something new is popping up. So this is giving you a lot of flexibility to be super fast. Way before, you know, all these bigger companies can, you know, have all their community, you know, so where you have to f- f- fill some forms and have 10 meetings before you can do mm-hmm. stuff. You guys can be, you know, the, 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 the very fast one on the market and, and, you know, catch the first wave. So I'm yeah, really bullish on, on what you guys are building. Yeah, there's so there's a, a few, a few handful of things I'll, I'll explain here. So if you have, if you have a collection and you want a curated collection, please reach out to us specifically if it's a large community. If not, you can wait for the protocol collection, right? So if you're if you're a counterparty artist and you have it properly indexed through Xchain and it says like if it has the banner that says this is an official collection, it means we could create a curated collection or we can mark at least yeah, we can make that a curated collection because we're routing it through Xchain. If it's not, if you don't have that kind of banner on Xchain and you're an artist, there will be a spot in the future to where you go to our, our GitHub directory for counterparty and you could submit a JSON with your traits for your collection and you will get those tags on the counterparty collection. And then moving forward, if your collection then has a, a large community and expands, then we will move it to its own curated collection. Ultimately, our goal is to have all of this automated in the future, and we have some plans for that, but we do have to work towards that. Also, there's some requests about multi-chain curated collections. For example, let's say you have a collection on Ethereum, ordinals, curse ordinals, stamps, and Bitcoin ordinals, and you want it all on one page on OpenSea, that is also something we can do. It'll take some custom solutions until you know we kind of smooth it out. But there are a handful of multi-chain communities and, you know, there's actually, you know, a lot of people in Ordinal say they're only Ordinals, but from the conversations I have, I don't, I don't completely believe that there's, and which is okay. So there's a bunch of communities from the Ordinals community that want these multi-chain kind of contracts because it just makes it much easier to kind of sort through. Also reach out to us for that, or at least start thinking about that kind of idea. One final note on the Pepe collection, where, where there's some supply inconsistencies, and this is due to. X-Chain having two different types of burning mechanisms. There's one that's called burn, and then there's one that's called destruction. Burn was the first version of burn, which is like a manual burn, where somebody just takes a supply of a card and then goes and sends it to a burn address, like a custom burn address, like you could see here. So like, for example, Cactus Pepe, it's a total supply of three, and on OpenSea, it shows three, but then when you go to X-Chain, it shows a 1,000 supply. And then when you look deeper, you see that 997 of them were sent to a burn address. So there's three different variations to this. There's one where, where on OpenSea for Space Daddy, which is the Elon Musk one, on OpenSea it shows 20 or 2,024 supply. And then you go to Xchain, it also says 2,024 supply. And then you look at the holders and a burn address owns 1,725 of them, which means there's only 299, really. But both both Xchain and Emblem are off, right? And then the third type is where it says, for the example, for this card, which card is this? For a Pepe Hero on OpenSea, it says supply 200. And then you go to Xchain, it shows supply 100. And then you go to the Destructions tab, and it shows 100. 
So there's three different types of these. If you notice these inconsistencies, please let us know. We're going to have to get with JDog probably to make sure that it's consistent across all. That's a very important metric as, as Adam would, as said earlier. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to take time. And please, you know, especially if you guys see these sort of things or you notice something that's inconsistent, either between us and X-Chain or whatever, us and OpenSea, anything, just let us know. Appreciate that so that we can fix it. These are just one-off things that are going to need to be kind of worked through. You know, there are people who say, oh, well, you said a burn address. That's not really burnt. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. We're considering that burn, but Dogfather, what's up, man? Yeah, the devil is really in the details there. I was also replicating the numbers from Peppy, what the fuck. And yeah. I, I was not always getting their numbers. And I think they are the most kind of like, you know, everyone is kind of like taking the, these numbers as kind of like formal or, you know, correct. But I mean, they are different, you know, burn addresses. And it's really like not that easy. So folks, so so be a bit patient. It's not that straightforward, honestly. Yeah. So, and rather than, you know, being quickly and in, in kind of fudding or so, it's, it's, it will be figured out and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help. I can also share my numbers. So if you guys like, and uh, at the end, we will find the, the right answer. But I mean, imagine someone is sending a card to a new burn address. I mean, the, the, these are kind of things it, it's very hard to capture automatically because I mean, someone is creating a vanity address and sending there. You don't know it, and, and and I mean it's it's not it's not captured right by the algos. The reality is, it's just another address, right? So the algo is not necessarily going to pick up just another address, even though obviously, if this address says one, and then the word counterparty, and then exec, you know, <laughs> you can tell it's a burn address. But you know, yeah, it's not automated, basically. So yeah, if you guys see stuff like that, do let us know because that's good stuff that we'd like to correct. Yeah, yeah. There's so there's also a fourth party, Pepe.wtf. We work with Al pretty closely. He's the one that's providing a lot of the JSONs and stuff. So there's you know there's kind of four or five different protocols that are working on this. Yeah. So as so a desktop even said, creating a burn address with a vanity doesn't mean that they know the keys. Yeah, they don't know the keys. That's right. I mean that's that's a reality too, right? You can you can mine these basically burn addresses. You're just basically doing like I don't know what they call it, brute forcing. These, these addresses where you're creating literally millions or billions of addresses, and then you can actually find ones that you actually hold the private key to, and it may say burn address one and magically, you know, you figured this one out and you do it and you say, I'm, I'm setting it to the burn address, but you actually own that burn address. So it gets a little, it gets a little complicated here, but you know, we work. Yeah, we we even had somebody ask recently, and we try to really stay away from these kind of subjective traits, but we're looking into different things on different chains as well. And this idea of like active supply, right? These dormant wallets mm, where, yeah. where supply hasn't moved, like, right? Let's say it's a thousand supply, but 990 of them haven't moved in six years. We've had some people ask if we could add that. You know, we're trying to be very cautious around that. You know, I, I asked them, I said, what do you determine as active supply? Right? There was like kind of like, there wasn't really like a straightforward act or question, but then also remember in 2021, how many of these dormant wallets woke up yeah. and ended up started dumping right into it. There's, I don't know how you could you do, do anything like that. I mean, the reality is we know, I know personally people who, you know, never moved Ethereum, you know, they've had Ethereum since day one, you know, and then suddenly when Ethereum touches 3000, you know, dollars, per Ethereum, per ETH, you know, whoop, wake up, you know, here they go. You know, so I, I don't even, I don't think we could ever really touch those. It just seems like there's so much experience, even in the 21 bull run, where I'm just thinking like Curio cards, where people are like, oh, no, no, that Apple wallet's been dead. They got them on claim day and that's it. They've never moved them. And then the, what do you know? They woke up, you know, so I don't know if you could ever really do that. Yeah, Dogfather, I know you have some experience with this too. Yeah, 100%, Adam. I mean, that's something not for a marketplace, but rather for an independent website where someone is maybe giving some alpha or trying to give some alpha. But for the marketplace, it should be neutral and absolute hard information. You you can't do any of that. I mean, that, that would be really like almost financial advice that you don't want to give there. Yeah. But we do appreciate when people come in and have these types of ideas. There are some other ones, you know, like for one with, with Namecoin, 
you know, there is so much debate around, you know, how people value these. So we try to stay objective. So one thing we're looking to add is just to see if it, if the token has expired before. So it's just a simple yes, no, right? Like that's a very objective kind of thing that collector that determines, you know, if, if a collector wants a name coin asset. So those kind of ideas like are, are important. And if you think you have a good addition to it, then please just like, let us know. Again, we have to evaluate and see if it's even possible because you have to pull the information directly from the blockchain itself and index it and all these other kind of crazy stuff Shannon does in the background. So yeah, just, just keep that in mind. But we, yeah, it's been an exciting time. You know, it feels like we finally crossed, crossed the, the, you know, the chasm of migrations and, and we're moving forward. But man, couldn't have been a better time. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I put a tweet out saying that we started migration literally almost exactly at the bottom of the NFT market. How funny would it be if it, if it resumes right after all the migration? <laughs> Perfect <laughs> timing, bro. Perfect timing. It's the, it's the Pepe bull run is ready, man. Now it's ready. Now it's on. Game on. It, it's, it's interesting when you think about Emblem's community because it's not typically like PFP flippers. So it's almost like this whole section of people who are using ETH just so they could get liquidity to their assets from other chains. And so they're really only using a handful of assets, right? There's a lot of people who use just Emblem because they generally prefer native trading, which is more secure, but this is a way to access liquidity. So I think we'll get a pretty strong sign if there if the bull run does resume right after you know we're done with migrations. I think that's a pretty strong sign. I mean, we had fifteen thousand holders. You know, it's it puts it at number six largest NFT collection if you if you do it if you combine all of our curated collections together. So yeah, a lot a lot of responsibility. If there are any other questions, yeah, feel free to come up. If not, we'll kind of move on for the remaining like 15, 20 minutes of this, and we'll kind of go into this. Um, topic dogfather what's up yeah quick question so if people want to be on blur for whatever reason can they find the rep happy curated collection there well? because i had a quick look and i didn't find it they don't Maybe support erc 55 yet i see so that's the reason okay cool good to know thanks yeah so right now i would stay firm with OpenSea. they're starting to be fake collections popping up on all these other ones so if you go into our discord there's a collections tab I would highly recommend just using these because there are people already creating fake migration portals. If you're on Telegram, there's people creating fake migration portals trying to get you to click. Unfortunately, I've seen some people already fall prey to that. Go into our Discord, Use go to the collections tab. Those are all the official collections. Use that as your source of truth. We do have an open lane of communication with OpenSea. This is why I say use OpenSea. I know people hate paying the 2.5%, but if that is securing you from losing all of your assets or paying too much, then I think it's probably worth it. But we have a direct line of communication with OpenSea and anytime there is a fake collection, um, please send it to us and we have them just censored immediately. They've been very, very responsive to us. And so we really appreciate having that because I know a lot of people do not have this kind of direct line of communication with, with OpenSea in general. So, and then obviously Blurred doesn't offer ERC-155. We do have a direct contact with some of the other ones as well, but they're not as attentive as OpenSea has been to us. So I love OpenSea, man. Yeah. If they didn't drop the ball with their royalty discussion and stuff, I mean, it really, they've always been really responsive to me and a bunch of people and, and us in the NF, historical NFT community. They've always been kind of awesome, but they did drop the ball a bit. Yeah, I, I don't think OpenSea is going anywhere. You know, a lot of people calling the downfall of it. I just, I mean, they're still paying people and hiring people at 150K, 250K a pop. Like they've got, they have runway. That's definitely for sure. You know, they are getting caught in the crosshairs. I think they're going to try to take a Coinbase position, kind of similar to what Coinbase is doing is leading the regulatory front for for cryptocurrencies. I think OpenSea is probably going to end up doing the same thing for NFTs. I mean, I know they're preparing for an IPO, right? They're, rigorously delisting things, you know, already some rare Pepe's unfortunately have already been delisted because of, you know, copyright and stuff like this. Yep. Um, so they're taking all of the active um, cases. So I do think OpenSea is probably going to follow a similar suit to what Coinbase did um, over in the future. So we've just done that token, man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could have had a second bull run, man. It would have been amazing. They could come back and save the day. I do have a few Bitcoin kind of, we'll keep it on the Bitcoin realm that I saw happen over the last few days, which I think one of these topics are probably going to extend for quite some time. So we'll end with that one. 
One I found pretty interesting is with ThorSwap. I don't know if you've been following ThorChain, but they recently, things had to be within the last two months, enabled native swaps for Bitcoin. So you can natively swap native Bitcoin for native Ethereum. This is like this is like the the grail of swaps that people have been trying to figure out for literally decades. <laughs> I think the first atomic swap was deployed in 2017. It was Charlie Lee swapped Litecoin for Decred, and then they did Bitcoin swapped Litecoin for Bitcoin on the on the Lightning Network. This is completely native. Eric Voorhees has like been a very large advocate for Thorchain. Of course, what happens? Is he a part owner of Thor, Thor, Thor Chain or what? Because he's always shilling it. He must be involved somehow, right? No, but he owns Shapeshift, so they integrated Shapeshift into it. I uh, got But he, you know, he's been a pioneer. He's the one who kind of called out SBF, right? He's a, he's a very respected person in the space. Ultimately, what happens, though, right? If you have this kind of freedom or frictionless kind of environment, North Korea and some of the hackers have begun taking their hacked ETH. <laughs> Where they're still in ETH and started swapping it for Bitcoin to the tune at one point over the weekend, I think there was like a $300 million transaction. What really? 300 yeah. million. Holy smack. 300 million into Bitcoin. And this is when ThorSwap came out. And so ThorSwap, not ThorChain, it's a swap that's built on top of ThorChain, the protocol, right? So think of it as like a front end, similar to how Uniswap front end is built on top of Uniswap protocol. They basically saw what was happening and they said there's a pressing and persistent concern recently came to light. You know, the potential movement of illicit funds through ThorChain, specifically ThorSwap. They think that no activities should have no place on the ThorSwap platform. So they basically censored the ThorSwap front end, which is similar to what Uniswap has done before as well. And so now they're, I think they actually like paused or halted it and they're going to reassess what's going on. Eric Voorhees came out and said, you know, ThorSwap is not ThorChain. And so you can still go build your own front end and you can still do this. But it leads me to this kind of, you know, this double-edged sword where it doesn't seem like, you know, hacks or hacked illicit funds are going to slow down anytime soon. Does North Korea then just become like the biggest Bitcoin holder at some point in time? What, what, ha what happens in a world of that situation? I don't know. Chris, Chris what do you think? I see you thinking uh, thinking about this. Give me, give me your thoughts on all of it. Yeah, I mean, North Korea has been hacking the ecosystem since the beginning. So no doubt that they're, you know, probably one of the largest Bitcoin holders in the world. And, you know, everything's moving towards a little bit more of a regulated front. So not really surprising that they're going to kind of censor that front end. But like you said, it's not really censoring the protocol itself. So there's always going to be workarounds that kind of pop up and the market will kind of figure itself out. But yeah, I mean, these bad actors are going to exist. There's huge honeypots of money that are up for grabs and they're, they're the best at taking them. So not really going to go away anytime soon, but definitely need to work on building up better defenses to prevent these things from happening if we want mass appeal in this industry, for sure. I can't imagine a situation where, you know, North Korea becomes like a top five Bitcoin holder. Adam, what do you think happens in a situation like that? What, what do you, what, what can you, what can you do? Like if, if Bitcoin just becomes occupied by, you know, malicious actors, which historically has been kind of that situation. Well, what if Satoshi is the U S government and has a million Bitcoin? What, what happens to Bitcoin? I don't know. We'll see. I have a post coming out later today, so stay tuned, guys. We'll Who's see. Easing it. <laughs> it. Who is Satoshi? Maybe it's Kim Jong-un. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and this is, the, this is the type of thing. Obviously, if all they need to do is build a front end to be able to use ThorChain, you know, that's a no-brainer. My question is, how do they off-board off that Bitcoin to whatever currency they want or maybe they they're able to buy stuff with the bitcoin itself i don't know i don't know how that works who knows but we want if we want permissionless systems you know there are going to be bad actors period full stop you know you can't prevent bad actors <laughs> the the most used system for bad actors is the us dollar i mean we all know that's common sense so what are we going to do here who are we fighting you know arrest the bad guys but don't take away the the the, the system just because it's used by bad guys, that's stupid. Yep, that's what the U.S. government likes to do, unfortunately. Very, very big pain in the ass. Yep.
I think it'll be to be determined. I, I think with Eric Voorhees, you know, kind of helping and Thor swap, I think they'll they'll eventually figure it out. I want to give a big congratulations to Ordinal's bot. You know, our homie is one of the original inscription tools. And they just announced a $1 million seed round between, you know, a bunch of people I have no, I've never even heard of, but it looks like it's all Bitcoin kind of capital funds, UTXO management. Bitcoin Frontier Fund is is TOs. VC, Bitcoin Magazine, familiar with, but some of these other ones not really familiar with. But it looks like they are kind of all Bitcoin funds. So congratulations, 1 million rounds between, it looks like, you know, eight capital funds, but then a handful of other individuals. It looks like it was kind of a, a round of maybe some smaller checks in this like small regulatory environment. But now that makes two, right? Is it, Adam, is it just two ordinal companies that have now got a seed round? Uh, Ordinal's bought an Xverse. How are, you, how are you feeling about this? Hey, good for them, man. Honestly, I'm, I'm proud of them for being able to pull it off. You know, the way Ordinal's kind of, the, the volume collapsed, you know, that they were able to actually close on a round. It's great. You know, I'm happy for them. And, and you know, it gives them that kind of runway where they can survive, you know, 18 months or two years, right? for the next bull run and, and ordinals is positioned, man. Like, you know, very much like ETH. So whatever happens next, you know, can happen on ordinals. It's a possibility. The next big thing is on ordinals. So yeah, I'm excited for him. Yeah, me too. So congratulations, Brian, if you're out there, you, you absolutely crushed it. And final topic for today, which I think is, this is just going to be the very beginning of what happened here is bit. VM. Apparently, Bitcoin has always been able to be Turing complete. There's some nuance nuance to this. It seems like there's actually like a very, very large amount of kind of excitement that's that's been surrounding this. Of course, you're going to have some people questioning it. I've been looking to kind of the the more technically, you know, enabled or minded people to really understand this because I read it, I get it. You know, VMs are awesome, right? This is this could be potentially a way for for LLM to deploy on on ordinals, right? If you can do all kinds of computation, it really unlocks a lot a lot of kind of possibilities here. I'm gonna turn to Bob Bodily's post. You know, he's our favorite kind of explainer when it comes to techs development. He says that you know the TLDR of this. I'm gonna go through seven TLDRs. Says this is not a silver bullet solutions. BitVM is not as good as as EVM. BitVM is slower, more expensive, more complex. The core benefit of BitVM is we get additional programmability right now on top of Bitcoin without an upgrade. No new opcodes, no software ready to go right now. It has an easy potential use cases, including decentralizing various parts of applications that currently rely on centralized servers. And he notes DLC oracles, congestion control, coin join aggregators, and sign chain quorums. Man, that is a, a mouthful. I'm going to need an explanation just for each individual. Can I trade NFTs on it? <laughs> yeah, right. uh, no, BitVM does not solve trustless bridging for side chains. It re- likely requires covenants. I've actually never even heard of what covenants were. So I'm going to have to d- dive into all of this as well. Maybe we'll get Bob on one of these future episodes, maybe Thursday or something. Uh, Yes, BitVM is strictly better than Greg Maxwell's 2016 ZKP contingent payments example. Also not something I'm familiar with. And BitVM is very complex to understand and implement upgrading Bitcoin without or with an opcode could accomplish the same thing. So apparently the short story of this is it's a BitVM. It's similar to EVM in terms of just the context. More expensive, though, because it is on Bitcoin, and it says that BitVM is a new optimistic roll-up plus fraud-proof plus taproot leaf plus Bitcoin script computing paradigm designed by Robin Linus at ZeroSync. They pushed an excellent white paper this morning reviewed by Testnet or by Super Testnet and Sam Parker, and as of yesterday, had 1.5 million views and so now here we share this tab it's at 2.4 million views the cool part is it's only eight pages long so i still need to go through and read this Uh, i went through briefly man and trust me you're not gonna get much by going through it bro (laughs) it is yeah big words i don't understand is what that means right there but a lot of people are excited about it except we we had a good laugh that adam back was definitely excited about it 
<laughs> yeah, where's this tweet? I'm gonna pull it down here. Adam Dax. Yeah, yeah. yeah for people getting overexcited, this is cool, but effectively generalization of a two-party game. It says right in the abstract, so it's a bit like Greg Maxwell's 2016 ZKP contingent payments implemented. Example, I see this people hammering a lot that it's only a two-party system. You know, it could be good for certain situations, so it doesn't it doesn't mean it's good for everything. But... Read Udi's uh, response right below. That was fast, <laughs> Udi, Udi just... He said, Udi says, can always count on Adam to show up and tell people not to get excited about a Bitcoin innovation because it wasn't invented by his friends. Udi's <laughs> <laughs> the best, man. Dogfather, what what are your what are your first thoughts on this? And do you even understand what is going on here? Honestly, I didn't have the time to really go into <laughs> that in detail. I mean, I don't know. Somehow these things come up, and and one hour later, Bob is having a long thread about it. I don't know how he's doing that. <laughs> Probably just a faster computer. It looks a bit like still in research, but I mean, definitely something super interesting. I mean, there there are a couple of you know, projects trying to get EVM or, you know, EVM on, on Bitcoin. It's super important to have that. And what is winning at the end and what is really working? I mean, I'm just looking at the end of this article where they are calling about tap trees with leaves numbered in the billions. That that looks like really massive. I mean, really a, a lot of stuff you need to do to 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 make that work. But at the end, one project will will be able to do that, and and then we will we are we are back in the game, right, with Bitcoin. So I think it's extremely important to have these, you know, builders and devs trying to do these things, and one of them will win, and and that will be big. Yep. Peter McCormick comments and says, "Explain this like I'm Peter McCormick." <laughs> Robin, the guy who wrote the white paper, says this enables more expressive Bitcoin contracts, particularly it enables functionality that we thought we needed a soft fork for. It might enable trustless sidechains, but that is not fully solved yet. And then also Eric Wall, who I tend to look to for, for information, seems pretty excited about it, but he said he's going to remain cautious because he said this happens often with Bitcoin. People get really excited about a new protocol, and then turns out it's not as great as you thought, or it's just overly <laughs> expensive and not <laughs> yeah, overly expensive and takes... A lot more time. Lightning got in this situation and a handful of other ones. Yep. I mean, look, we've been through it, right? The last eight months. How excited about BRC20s or runes or whatever. I mean, in theory, it's all kind of this similar thing. Anyway, we'll see, man. Like like, like you just said with Lightning, how many years it's been with Lightning and it's still kind of kicking down the road or RBG or whatever, you know? There's a big difference between idea and implementation. And these things can take years and may never be fully accepted by the people who would actually be interested in using them. And that we've seen time and time again. Unless you can actually get people to use it, it literally doesn't mean anything. So we'll see. Interesting idea. Certainly got a lot of buzz this week. OPP, what's, what, you th what you think about BitVM? I don't have much on it. I, I, I didn't read up on it at all. So I'm, I've been kind of out on out of the loop. I, I was actually just curious if you guys knew if there was any updates on the rune stones. And yeah, I could talk on that a, a bit or if not, you know, you can keep it moving. But runes are, runes oh, yeah. are dead, dude. You didn't hear? No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really heard much about rune stone outside of the recent Casey posts from last week, just talking kind of about the gamification of the, the asset name selection. It seems like people are still really figuring it out. There's, I think there's, this is probably that period now where the excitement's worn off and they're now actually trying to build it. Unless you have any more information, I, I, don't, I don't really know much more about it. No, I don't know. Jack Squad, I'm coming <laughs> to you guys. You guys are yeah. the one out of the curve here. I'm just an artist out here, so appreciate it. It, it kind of hit one of those. It, it came, went. Back came back again. He changed it up a little bit. Some more excitement, then kind of hit this like dead spot. And that's where we are right now. As far as I as far as my Twitter, you know, feed. Well, my everybody's Twitter feed's just been overloaded with, you know, war and death and destruction. And so, you know, crypto's kind of moved to the back burner on the timeline. But yeah. um yeah. Yeah, it is. It is quite, yeah, quite sad. The war that's happening, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, as I'll make a quick same, because I haven't really talked about it, but you know, as you know, as somebody who's Jewish, who's grown up 
being Jewish, bar mitzvah, Hebrew school, NA pie and stuff. It's it's a really unfortunate situation from both sides, what's really happening here. It does not catch me as surprised. I think most most of my friends that I've talked with, you know, I lived with Israelis before, I have friends that are in Israel right now. It's not anything that I think caught people by surprise. You know, they've been kind of expecting it. There's definitely some escalations, and I don't think there's any turning back now at this point. So, you know, actually, Mario's been doing a really good job. I think I've been following kind of his spaces. You know, he gets a lot of flack and credibility, but from all of the, I've tried to look at as many news sources as possible. I do think he's probably doing the best job when it comes to information. So, shout out to Mario. Yeah, he's been doing a really, really good job. And also, too, like when he puts out information and then it's proven wrong, he does actually fact check it and we'll put, and we'll put the right information up there. So you'll see me in there listening. Cause uh, it's close to me as kind of this Jewish American, but both sides have it really bad. You know, you, you feel bad for the 15 or I think it's like 150,000 Palestinians who have now been moved and kind of have nowhere to go. Yeah. Tough situation in the middle East. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get cleared up after this either. Yep. Um, but Outside of that, you know, BitVM, I think, will be a hot topic. I think that's probably, I, I'm actually excited, let's say Tuesday, tomorrow, the Ordinal show. I guarantee you they're probably going to cover this for like five hours. I'm going to go, into, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to go on the space, listen to it in the beginning. I'm going to go, like, go to the gym, go have lunch, go have dinner. It's going to be like 10 o'clock. He'll still be talking about it. Great. Be covering it. I don't know how these guys do it, dude. It's insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Tomorrow, we're having the Pepe show. It'll be the first installment. I got Joe, Skrilla, and Viva who are going to be in the building. If you're a Pepe person and want to join, please do come on stage. Now that Pepe migrations are almost fully complete, one of our main goals we've wanted is to actually run a regular routine Pepe show. Some of the details still have to be worked out, who can make it, but you know, maybe bi-weekly and turn it into a show to where the Pepe community come in, talk about fake rares, fake commons, are everything within the ecosystem is good. You know, oh, also too, I had a few people reach out and ask on Emblem Markets if rare Pepe's can be purchased with Pepe token it is also Ooh. something we will, we are actively exploring, which will be pretty cool. Make it full meme circle, buying rare Pepe's awesome. with Pepe. <laughs> with Pepe. <laughs> I would absolutely love it. That's meme fi too. The absolute <laughs> next level. Meme fi. Yeah, but Pepe show next Wednesday or tomorrow. As you guys know, we do this Tuesday through Thursday, 1130 a.m. Eastern time till, till we're done. Tomorrow, Pepe show Thursday. We will figure it out. But I uh, appreciate everyone for this. I know it was a long one talking about emblem migrations and emblem markets, but had to get that that's it, that you know that kind of conversation out there so that we can share it to everybody. What's going on, OPP? What, what's on your mind? Uh, I just want to say on Tezos, there's a, a Pepe coin, and they actually have a Pepe uh, market as well. So that's kind of funny. Interesting. Pepe is everywhere. That's the that's the thing we've learned, and that's why we're trying to emblem emblem vault. We're going to take Pepe. Cross chain, it'll there'll be a rare Pepe collection on every chain that we deploy on that you can move frictionlessly between all of them. And I think that'll be very exciting. That'll be a very interesting meta during the bull run too when that, when sure. that happens. But Adam, any final words until we talk with all the frog people tomorrow? Bro, it's memes all the way down, man. I'm excited for the show tomorrow. It's awesome. Memes all the way down. I uh, will see you guys tomorrow, 1130 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, take care, be safe. Bye.